Whether you are elated or distraught, whether you are frustrated or content, wherever you are right now, in light of everything that is going on in the world, you are known and you are loved. But we have to admit that wherever we are, that there is a long road ahead. There are great challenges in front of us yet, even if we are at the mountaintop or in the valley. And that can be a challenge to recognize the difficulty, the challenges that are ahead. We look at our country and even in our community and we recognize there are challenges that we must overcome. There is division. There is difficulty. There are differences, sometimes irreconcilable differences of opinion. And we have to work together. Not only in our country, but if we look into our own hearts, we recognize the division, the challenges that come about because we are sinners. We even look to our church, and we recognize that even with the greatest optimism, there is extraordinary challenges ahead. The demographics in the church are very, very challenging for each and every one of us, especially in the archdiocese. That in the next 10 to 20 years, we are looking at a demographic shift that we will have never seen in the church in this country. That's challenging. And some of us are going to be pessimistic, some are going to be optimistic. I choose, I'm I'm, I'm a pretty optimistic guy. I mean, heck, if in 2020 IU football is 3-0, anything is possible, friends. (laughs) I say that as an IU fan, as the pastor of the parish on campus, right? But whatever our outlook is, wherever we are emotionally right now, the top, the bottom, whatever, thanks be to God that we are here right now. Thanks be to God that he has given us life right now and has called us into his service right now. Because it is precisely in these times of real challenge and discord and difficulty that the Lord raises up his greatest saints. We know this from the scriptures. We know this from the history of the church. When there was a great schism within the church in the 11th and 12th century, the Lord raised, or not schism, a heresy, excuse me, the Lord raised up St. Dominic and St. Francis and so many other saints. At the time of the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation, the Lord raised up St. Charles Borromeo, St. Francis de Sales, St. Robert Bellarmine, great champions, teachers of the Catholic faith. After the French Revolution, where an entire government tried to destroy the church, we see this flourishing of saints and the church. One of my favorite examples of how the Lord lifts up saints in times of great difficulty is during the time of the Avignon Papacy, when the Holy Father moved his court from Rome to Avignon, France. There were two Dominican saints, St. Catherine of Siena and St. Vincent Ferrer, who were renowned for their preaching, for their sharing of the gospel, for leading other people to the Lord. And yet on the issue of where the Pope should be, they were divided and opposed. And yet they continued to seek and strive after the truth and the faith. And we remember that hundreds of years later. The Lord is calling each of you today to great holiness. 
Because the only hope that we have as a world is in Jesus Christ. And in each one of us living according to his will, being a saint in the way that he calls us to be a saint. Perhaps it's called to be a great saint like a St. Catherine or a St. Vincent who's out there in front leading the charge. Perhaps it's in the quiet of your home and in the relationships that you form. But the Lord is calling each of us to great holiness. The Lord is coming. Behold, the bridegroom is near. And guess what? Each of us are the bride, are the bride. We await the Lord. We are only fulfilled in our relationship to Him. Without Him, we are alone. We are independent. With Him, we are fulfilled. We are complete. We await Him. Behold, the bridegroom is here. Are you ready for this? Are you ready to take this leap of great faith with him? To give everything to the Lord right here and right now. That is a challenge. But if we follow Jesus, if we listen to him, even if we don't feel it, we can be. And how do we get there? From the second reading, we hear from St. Paul's letter to the, the first letter to the Thessalonians. And he's talking about those who have died, those who have preceded us in death in the church. And it's a reminder to us always that we must keep our death in front of us. This is not a macabre or a morbid thing, but the reality, as Jesus says in the gospel, you know neither the day nor the hour. By recognizing that at some point we will die. We will be judged and we will go to heaven or hell. By keeping that in front of us, by recognizing that everything we do from the smallest to the greatest has eternal repercussions and ramifications, our life has more meaning, intentionality, and purpose. Because we can see the simple things like waking up and praying in the morning as having a meaning and a purpose beyond which we could never imagine. Because it does. So keeping our mortality in front of us, but also the grace and the love of God who is coming into that world and is desiring to save us. The second thing that we are called that our scripture shows us to do is just that to give our first fruits to the Lord. We hear from the book of wisdom in the first reading. Let me find it here. Whoever watches for her at dawn shall not be disappointed. We must find places and time for silence. In this world, and at this time in particular, where silence, where stillness is fleeting, we must make a space for that in our life. Turn off the TV, put your phone away, be still and sit in the presence of God. We need to have that time where we can listen to the Lord, where we can talk to Him, where we can be formed by Him. Without that, we can't possibly know His will and His ways. But when we sit, when we listen, when we watch for Him in the stillness of the early morning hours, we recognize His coming and we are prepared to give everything. The last thing, brothers and sisters, that we must do, we must... Be quiet, right? We must keep our death before us, 
But we must give Jesus everything. We cannot hold anything back. There is no such thing as a half-hearted Christian. With God, it is either all or nothing. In the gospel, we have this, in a sense, odd story, right? These wise virgins have extra oil. Why aren't they sharing it with those who are in need? And it's a reminder, it's a challenge, frankly, to us that the Lord doesn't want you with my oil. The Lord wants you fully, totally, everything. They can't share the oil because the oil of gladness that each one of us has as the beloved son or daughter of Jesus is irreplicable. God wants all of you. God wants you. You are made in his image and likeness. You and your sanctity is what will change the world. Not you as someone else or not you with someone else as the influence, but you burning brightly. This is the challenge we have is to be there before God, recognizing that all that I am is also a sinner and broken and in need of healing. But to bring that and to let the bridegroom heal it. Yes, the days ahead will be challenging. Yes, the path in front of us may not be clear, but the bridegroom is coming. Let us go out and welcome him with everything that we are to listen for him, to create areas and times of stillness and quiet in our life, to keep our mortality in front of us always, so that when he comes, when he calls us, when he shows us the path to sanctity and salvation and the making of this world a better place that he has called and formed in our hearts from the beginning of time, we are ready to go out and meet him. Lamp alight, knowing, trusting, believing that it'll be burn even brightly with the bridegroom and in his presence.